0: So something else I wanted to do on this show is talk more about game design, um, and especially I feel like when I talk about game design or mention I'm going to school for game design, game design, game design, game design. Sorry. <laughs> um, when I talk about it, a lot of people or game development in general, um, I think people um, that aren't really into video games and or maybe who are into video games but aren't into learning about how they're made um, have. Just a different perspective, or don't have enough information to really picture it in their brain. So I wanted to talk about how much design goes into games, at least how I notice it. Um, and I mean, for myself, I think we talk about things, or I think we all do these podcasts, right? Because we want to talk about this stuff, and maybe you don't always have somebody to talk to about it. That's just definitely what just happened right now with Marvel. Let me tell you, I like itch. All day to talk to somebody, and I feel like I don't have enough people just accessible right away to talk about it, you know. And I think it's sort of the same with game design. Like I, I just want to talk about it a lot, (laughs) and I think um, just by me talking about it, hopefully, it's a little more accessible to people because I think that as somebody who's sort of getting into making games now, when you are an artist um, or even a programmer. 3D artist. Basically, when you're a maker, you have things to show people, and with design, sometimes that is a prototype and art, but also sometimes it's documents um, and you know flowcharts and Excel sheets and spread. I mean, I mean spreadsheets. <laughs> um, that's really good product branding right there. <laughs> and I think that. Yeah, I just want to sort of talk about what I'm playing or my favorite games and talk about how design goes into that. Just like with Pokemon Go, how I did a little bit ago. (laughs) Um, Go, go, go. Like with Pokemon Go, right, for instance, I was talking about how it builds community. But what I mean by that is every game has a repetitive action. If you're playing Mario, you are jumping. At least old school Mario, yes, you learn how to punch. God, nurse, give me a second. You also shoot fireballs. But you know what I mean? Like, it's a repetitive thing. You're jumping or shooting fireballs, right? Um, with Pokemon Go, you need to be constantly walking around and catching Pokemon. You can't stand still. You can try to stand still if you buy a lure and an incense, but that's going to start getting pricey. Um, like, you will pay actual money. So the repetitive action is walking to stops, catching Pokemon. That's one of the only ways to get Stardust. Um, or you can take a gym, right? But that still usually involves walking around. And that's because to get Stardust, the design choice was you only get Stardust mainly through catching Pokemon. Yes, you can get it from a gym. However, to get to a gym, you need to make your Pokemon stronger. And how you can't fight gyms and raise your Pokemon's level, what can you do? You can catch more Pokemon. Um, unless you've got a really strong Pokemon and then you take over the gym and stay there forever. Then you have another story, <laughs> um, but also just for like casual players. right do you want to collect them all? Got to keep walking around and keep catching Pokemon, whether you want to or not. And if you want to mess with the gym at all, you have to start leveling them up. And people who I know, you know, don't want to catch every Pokemon. It's like I totally get that, but then you have to kind of keep walking around. Also, something that Pokemon Go does well through design is building community. Yes, they don't give you a lot of tutorials, but and. That might be a flaw, depending on your perspective and depending on what their intention was. Um, But you learn through people. And I've learned so much through people and so many little tactics like evolving Pidgeys because you get so many of them. But if you've got a lucky egg, save the Pidgeys up and waste it right there. There's a tip. That way you go up levels quicker because you go double levels with lucky eggs. Evolve all your Pidgeys. You're freaking awesome, you know? I learned that from a Team Mystic person. And the only reason they told me that was because I wasn't Team Valor. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry. I'm, Timmy. I'm Team Instinct, and we don't have enough players, and we're all sad. <laughs> um. No, we're happy generally. Anyway, but that's what I mean. It's like things like that. Also, taking a gym is really community building because to take it, you know, you need to lower the gym's prestige Um, It's all about prestige score, which basically that's like the gym score. The gym's like level. So when you go and fight and you win, you have a level, which is like 2,000, right? If you fight again and win, you can level that prestige up, right? And you want to get it big because if I'm going to come take the gym, I have to get that prestige level all the way to zero. So if you put your Pokemon at a gym and you battle your pokemon and when you do that you only get one pokemon so it's kind of extra tough but you get that prestige level all the way up to 10000 other people come right that's where we have community building because now one of the easier ways to take a gym is go with two or three people do you have some people you know that are friends maybe that are on your same team boom you call them up you know you all go there and in like 5 minutes you just take down the gym put your pokemon in there spend a little more time if you've got it le- leveling up that prestige If not, whoever's the gym leader at least got some stardust and some coins, and boom. So, you know, right here you have, like, I'm somebody who doesn't know a lot of Team Instinct people, so I haven't really felt the super community building with that, but I've formed a loose alliance with the blue team, and, yeah, I've met, like, a bunch of people at gyms and talked to them and, I like know the faces of people who are at the gym just by their pokemon. That's like crazy when I think about unfortunately, we don't know our neighbors as well I feel like nowadays or a lot of people I know don't always know like who's living right next to them. But I've just done a lot of research and been in community activism for a long time and all of the how do we solve problems and You know, when it comes to just community issues, you know, social issues, politics, um, even, like, disaster, right? Like, if you're hit with a large hurricane or an earthquake, the greatest resource to solve all these problems is your neighbors, and we just all don't really know them. And now I know what their faces look like. And that was because of a game's design. So that's just one idea of what design is, right? It's, like, more than just idea making. It's, like, A really forming an experience and making a game and formulating the rules to make people feel certain things and as well as not like basically not just coming up with an idea, but I mean figuring out all of the details of an idea to really achieve a purpose, documenting them so that everybody knows the idea. And then once you got something like a prototype to look at, deciding, okay, did we achieve our goals? No, what do we need to do? So like, I wanted to talk about games I'm playing. Um, right now the two main games I'm playing is Birth by Sleep. Oh, it's a Kingdom Hearts game. Kingdom Hearts Birth by Sleep. It originally came out on PSP but now they made it for PS3 or not now. It was a long time ago. <laughs> or a little while ago for sure. And, um, I'm playing through it. I love Kingdom Hearts. I have Kingdom Hearts tattoos so obviously this is exciting. Um, and I like specifically Birth by Sleep. Um, if you don't, well, really quick, if you don't know anything about Kingdom Hearts, I say it's a Kingdom Hearts series. Gamers might know what I mean. Um, if you're not a gamer, Kingdom Hearts is basically a RPG. It's an action RPG, meaning that you don't just like have turns like Pokemon where you just like pick a turn and you do something and then the enemy does something. It's an action RPG, so you have stats. Like I have an attack stat. But I I also have to, like, do it in real time. Like, I'm actually whacking my keyblade at monsters, or, we, well, they're the heartless, <laughs> um, to get real nerdy. And I'm also teaching you things. So if you have friends who like Kingdom Hearts, you can act like you know stuff. The monsters or the bad guys on, <laughs> on Kingdom Hearts are the heartless, right? So you have to do that real time. And it's sort of shtick, I guess, or what made it famous is that, It was made by Square Enix, which makes all the Final Fantasies. So it has Final Fantasy characters, but all the worlds are Disney worlds. And also a lot of the characters are Disney. So you play alongside Donald and Goofy the whole game. And, you know, you meet Jack from The Nightmare Before Christmas. And Aladdin and Simba. It's freaking awesome. (laughs) Um, But it also had a story that is super super deep. (laughs) It's just very intricate. But it tackles light and darkness in a super simple way that light-hearted kid things like Adventure Time and like Steven Universe, you know, that really actually have a hard-hitting message under them or like simple universal messages that when you're a kid, they're just sort of like, this is really positive. And as you get older, it might seem corny, but there's still something to it that like resonates in your heart, right? And like that's what Kingdom Hearts tackles. It's just like, really in-depth as far as this story. And it's super simple, right? So like with three friends, super archetypal. And Birth by Sleep is literally the pre. I mean, there's already been like four, or- I mean, there's been a lot <laughs> of Kingdom Hearts games. And um, the- Birth by Sleep is a prequel to even the first game. And as you're playing Kingdom Hearts, you sort of hear stories of like what came before and how things ended up. The way that you're experiencing them, so birth by sleep happens even before we all ever played Kingdom Hearts, right? It's like the story begins before that. All the stuff we like read in these like secret collectibles. Game wise, though, it's very awesome. Content wise, as far as like money, as far as bang for your buck <laughs> and how far your money goes, because it's three storylines that all intertwine and um and it's very reminiscent and sort of like i don't even know foreshadowing maybe or just it's set up the same way as kingdom hearts where you have three friends and they're sort of going on this like journey they're older than the people on kingdom hearts um so the themes are a little more heavy but at the same time it's disney worlds so nothing gets too heavy at the same time (laughs) that's the funny thing about kingdom hearts like as a gamer Or as a game designer, as far as mechanics, I love the fighting system because I think that they can't have it be exactly like the main Kingdom Hearts games. And since these are side games, they have to change up the mechanics too. So all of them, all the Kingdom Hearts games have a different main mechanic. And this one does have a lot of combat and it feels the same as far as attacking, but what it changed up is... It only gave you a few slots for items and magic and these spells. You can you know, you only have so many slots for them. I think they're called commands. And so it's like almost like a deck of cards, but it's a command deck. And so you can choose like, do I want to have freeze and a potion and I don't know, like fire. You know, like you can mix and match, but then they also let you melt them together and make new crazy abilities. So you can, you know, put a an attack. That's usually just you swinging your sword or I mean your key, uh, ugh, sorry, I had a really normy response, and I'm so sorry about that. Swinging your keyblade around, you can mix that with like fire right, and then do like a fiery keyblade thing. It's pretty awesome, and it also really makes you have to think about you know what attacks you want to go for. The other thing that they put in there is that depending on what attacks I do. I randomly go into this, like, different fight mode, which is more powerful. So, like, if I'm doing a bunch of fire attacks, my fighting style all of a sudden will say, like, firestorm, and I'll do this, like, fiery keyblade thing, and then, like, all, but, like, I'm doing way more powerful moves, and then I get to shoot big fire. (laughs) Yeah, like, I mean, yeah, sorry, totally got rid of, like, conjunctions in that sentence. Um, I don't know what happened because I was so excited about fire. But basically, you know, you do a big attack at the end, and... um, I don't know. I think it's. I just like the way they have to keep innovating a different fighting system because you can't do it like Kingdom Hearts. Otherwise, it's just Kingdom Hearts three, and they haven't given us that yet, and they know it. Um, and so, I just. I think Birth by Sleep is definitely one of the best fleshed out sort of fighting system. It just seems also like such a big game for something that was a portable game at one time because it already feels like a PS3 game. And anyway, I, I really like it uh story wise, I don't want to talk about it too much because I think it'll spoil things. Um and the thing about Kingdom Hearts is like I can mention one thing, but if you haven't like played it, it could mention something. But it's basically like I said, simple wise, it's about three friends. Um it mentions uh you know some conflict between Keyblade Masters and you know I really don't want to ruin too much, but I can tell you that if you've played Kingdom Hearts and Kingdom Hearts 2 especially as a prequel, it touches on moments that you thought were small in Kingdom Hearts and, like, makes them big. Really similar to what, like, I feel like the prequels of Star Wars tried to do and didn't, like, it felt like, ew, why does C-3PO or this guy know this guy, you know? Um, That doesn't make any sense, but it it kind of, like, it achieves it way better story-wise, and it makes you, you know, feel like, aw, and it, like, really brings depth to this universe and still, you know, um... I guess sort of spiritually successes (laughs) the writing and themes of the Kingdom Hearts. You know, friendship and getting into the darkness and the internal battle and friends trying to deal with life but also stay friends and how hard that can be. Stuff like that. And it's a really good game. The other game which is less heavy but is freaking amazing is Card Wars. Uh... I want to say it's like Card Wars Kingdom. There it goes. Card Wars Kingdom. It's a, a, it's an Adventure Time game, which Adventure Time is going to be one whole episode of this podcast, let me tell you. And it's freaking awesome. Uh, I'm addicted to it. My partner is addicted to it. They literally, they were cooking. They stopped cooking and just sat on the kitchen floor because they got so into Card Wars. And I came in, they're just like sitting by the refrigerator. And the food was still cooking, anyway. And it was—it's—it's it's an awesome game. Um, if you've seen Adventure Time, you'll know Card Wars from I think the episode that's called Card Wars. <laughs> um, and basically, it's a—it's an episode where Jake likes to play this card game that's really reminiscent to like Magic the Gathering or like Yu Gi Oh. Um, which using those two things together, now I'm realizing I'm gonna have a bunch of people mad at me, but that's fine. Uh, but it's a. Strategy card game with monsters that have different abilities and magic spells, and um, which that's what Magic the Gathering is for. People who don't play Magic the Gathering, see, nerds don't get too on me. I'm trying to keep it for people who are non-nerds too. All right, so Card Wars, but it's a Card Wars is a game for your phone, um, and it's on in which I really like the idea of a programmed card game. I think I've seen it other ways, and I didn't like it. But this one is so, I don't know, 3D and immersive, and the art is really nice, which goes a long way. Um, But also it's the design, I think. It's basically you have attack cards. You have different, so it's like these different characters that you get, um, but they're all from different lands. So it's like you have people from the corn land and people from nice land, right, which is all like candy and sugar. And each sort of like different land gets different abilities um and so the way it works is you have you have fighter cards basically or like character cards and then you also get these other cards that you know move your stats up right so they might raise your attack or they poison the other character or if it's magic right they do magic spells so each different land has a different set of those sort of like ability cards so as you're like attacking people you're getting different cards so depending on who you're attacking with, right, you get these other cards. So you have this, like, level of strategy that starts to get really intense. And it also can be super simple. So it starts out super simple, and I think if you want to have a simple way of attacking, you can totally build a, like, really easy deck to keep things simple for yourself. But, I mean, it also gets so intricate because they have so many lands now, and, like, you know, all the lands do different stuff. So, like, if you have nice lands maybe you want to try to just like have a longer game where you just keep healing your people and you're not worried about being super strong cuz you're going to last right but maybe somebody comes along and and like my thing at first was corn which is like just strong attack and so i was like knocking out people but you know you start running into different stuff and you got to start building up different decks and it just like all apps i really love the way Not all, but a lot of mobile game apps sort of use the, like, you know, it costs a certain amount of hearts to play a game. And if you have a certain amount of, like, these cake cards, you can um, up your player stats and become stronger and make it easier to win. Um, Or, and, you know, you get treasure chests and you get jewels, right? Like, it creates all these sort of, like, resources and, like, an economy system almost that keeps you coming back and playing cuz it's on your phone right you can pull it out anytime but you can also put it away so it's just perfect to sort of keep you coming in and I think this game does that in a really well balanced to where you still have fun for free definitely but it's a it's a pay to win type game which a lot of these mobile apps are and it is really awesome that way I think too cuz it's like I only I bought I think $1 of something <laughs> on this one it's not like I don't ever spend money on this I mean, I might make a game like this, so I try to, you know, make part of my, like, random spending money, budget that to be stuff I spend on games or in-game purchases. Um, And I think that if you are somebody who's into that and you pay the money, that it goes a long way in Card Wars. And it's also just, like, we've just been realizing with Pokemon, for people who aren't super nerdy or who aren't into game-making um, a, a story or a, you know, something like Pokemon, a property like that, it's called an intellectual property, meaning Pokemon as an idea and as a thing, (laughs) you know, it's a thing, it's a cultural thing, it's a game thing, it's like, it's Pokemon, this is my intellectual property, I thought of it at You know, like it's and it's also a thing that everybody knows and they've seen the art and they have played it. So they know it, too. It's like in their intellect. (laughs) So it's an intellectual property. It's like not just like the game. It's like the idea of the game. Right. It's like all of it. Like the fact that, you know, this thing exists. It's intellectual property, because if you know it and you're using it and it makes you money, that's my money. (laughs) Basically, sorry, all of my anarchist and anti-capitalist friends. For having to hear that much capitalism, but that's how it works, and it's what we're living in. <laughs> and for people who don't know, when you hear a nerd talk about an IP, they just mean an intellectual property. So they kind of just mean in a super simplified term, like a thing that is that we can make games and stories and um I like basically an idea that turned into a real life thing. And um so when you hear somebody say an IP That's what they mean. It's an intellectual property. I'm rambling now. But I say that because Card Wars is Adventure Time. It's an IP you care about. It comes with characters. It comes with lands. It comes with art. It comes with a feel that I already give a crap about. So it's like a super well thought out card game. This game gets people who don't play card games a lot, like myself, (laughs) into card games pretty easily by using that intellectual property. And then just being well thought out and designed and it looks great the ui is awesome the like subtle background story of how it's basically if you know anything about adventure time and if you don't know then like you won't know what i'm saying but um there's a character named prismo who is extremely omnipotent power wise and is also friends with jake the dog You know, the idea of this game is just like he made it for Jake since Jake loves Card Wars so much. Just that little thing already is awesome. And that is only the loading screen. Like, that much attention is given to this game. I freaking love it. Um, And so, yeah, those are the games I'm playing. That's kind of why I like them. You should definitely get Card Wars because I'm pretty sure it's free to download. And it's awesome. There's a multiplayer beta. I wish that you could play, like, interpersonally with people because I've definitely been wanting to, like, play... Like my deck against my partner's deck, though they would wreck me because they're really good at this game. And I guess lastly, so we're going to draw this to a close because I've been talking for like an hour now. <laughs> lastly, I just want to end with with like sort of a personal update, but it is also game design focused. Is uh, I've been working with some really awesome people on a game jam game for the non-nerds and non-game dev people. A game jam is where people who make games get together, set a really short time limit, like two days, or in this case it was a week, which is actually a long game jam. <laughs> Some of them are only 24 hours. We get together and we say, we're going to make a game in this time. Let's do it. Um, myself and six other people um, worked together on a game And we didn't finish the whole project, but we got a really good working prototype done. Um, And I just wanted to say how awesome that was, um, just collaborating with different people. I did design and writing, so I helped come up with, um, you know, we all, well, we all did design in the beginning phase, right? Like, we really did a great job of incorporating people's ideas for both story and mechanics, even, like, I'm talking, like, artists' ideas for, like, mechanics, you know, and, like, things that would get programmed we still like listen to those thoughts like you know and maybe you weren't an expert in that field but you like you know we let out the idea um i think we didn't finish because we got hit by what is called the feature creep um and so that's a little bit of gamer jargon to uh, for people who don't who aren't game developers basically that means games take a lot to make even something as simple as what or as what you think is simple like super mario Still has a lot of aspects, right? Because you might think I'm gonna make Mario. I'm where a guy jumps over stuff. But right, then we gotta program the people the bad guys. Well, how do they walk? What do they do? Like, oh well um also Mario can jump. He can go into different worlds. How? Oh by going into the pipes. Oh, so that's something else we gotta make. We gotta make the art for the pipes. We gotta make programming for the pipes. We gotta make animations for the pipes, right? So feature creep is like where you think you have something simple and then all of a sudden you realize you got all this stuff to make. We got hit hard with that. We went with a really ambitious idea. The theme of this game jam was start at the end, and it was a narrative game jam. So it was like make a story game, basically, or how you – your idea of that, right? Your idea of a narrative game because there was a lot of different outcomes that were really awesome and projects that people made that really twisted what what was a narrative. Some of them used no words at all, which was amazing, Um And long story short, our idea was to make, which is actually the name of the game. (laughs) Oh, weird. Um, The name of the game is Long Story Short. And pretty much, it's the idea is you start out as a protagonist in a 2D game. And you're just in this moment of, you know you're on the sort of like, You don't know you're in a game, but you know you do the same thing all the time and that you're at, like, the last level, basically. Like, you know you're doing the same thing and you know what's about to happen, which is the end, and you're, like, not excited. And then this wizard who normally in the game just gives you the missions comes and turns everything 3D, um, Magic Man from Adventure Time style, right, just to mess with you, you know? And so in the world where it's 3D... And that's where you actually play most of the game, right? Like the a two D game is just sort of a backstory, but the three D is where you have narratives, and it's basically like all the little two D characters that you killed, um, just sort of jumping around. You now have to like talk to and make feel better, and then they give you information um, on how to face the wizard and and the game, which I won't go into, so I ruin it. And then, see, that's one thing, right? And that is already a lot. And then we were like, oh, we'll add in a freaking morality system, which I know we literally said we weren't going to do, and then we literally just did it anyway. (laughs) Um, And that is a whole other thing that I had never done before, but working on it was awesome. It felt really great to write again, and also to have sort of like narrative design put in there, which we have some really great people, one of them whom is my friend. Um, their name is Nicole, and they're actually graduating. Woo! Um, this week from game design, uh, from a game design program, and they are amazing. And so they came up with like lots of story branches and things. But implementing it in the, in the end basically just caught up with us and other sort of like communication issues because we did have a pretty big team, which I think sort of bit us in the butt. But uh, we did come up with a really good prototype where you know you. We have the 3D world built, we have the 2D world built, and you can read stuff. It's like buggy, but we have the the pieces, so I'm really excited going forward on what we're going to design. Right now um, is where, the, where we talk about iterative design, which is basically you make one thing, and you have goals for that thing you're going to make, and you plan out what you're going to do, and then you make it, and then you test out the thing you made, and then you start the process over. And you think about, okay, now we have this thing. What do we want to achieve with the new thing we're going to make with all the pieces now that we've got? So that's where we're at. I'm going to play the prototype some more and take notes. And I just wanted to mention that that happened just so that people who maybe are thinking about making games, if you hear that there's a game jam. And if you live in Portland, this game jam was actually organized by the Portland Indie Game Squad which is a really, I mean, just a freaking awesome organization. Um, a lot of game designers from all over the country come here because it has one of the best organized communities. Um, and the head is Will Lewis, who if you ever see, has a giant red beard, <laughs> which you cannot miss, who has worked with Cartoon Network. He organized a Cartoon Network game jam. He's made games that were like published by Cartoon Network. Um, and there's a lot of other people who work with The Portland Indie Game Squad, who are in the industry, working with games every day, and they have a Patreon right now, so you can actually give to them monthly. Um, It's Pig Squad, uh, or you look up... I think if you type in Portland Indie Game Squad, even in Google or Facebook, right, you'll be able to find their posts and stay updated. Facebook, like Will and Corey, will basically always... They keep it so updated. That's the other thing that's great about the Portland Indie Game Squad, is it's super updated. There's always events. It's so organized and so, like easy to come to these events where you can learn how to make games or just come out and hang out if you're already making a game and like you can't be a game maker, game designer, or game developer and not show off your work and test it out no matter how hard that is because we're also sort of artists and I know it's hard to show people that, but this is the easiest way to do that because these people are so nice. Like everybody is so nice at these events. I've gotten so much support and once you sort of just, you know, you know, drink the liquor of social interaction and just sort of say hi to people you do make contacts and you do meet people and you learn stuff and it's awesome to just be around that much games like some of them are workshops and some of theirs are just hangouts so anyway you can come to those and even if you don't live in Portland and you're listening to this look up game jams in your area if you see one or if you even know just a few other gamers right or people who are interested maybe organize your own just say hey Let's get together for a day or like two days or however much time you can and let's start making a game and just like whatever we get at that end, let's just put it online somewhere, right? Like just make stuff kind of thing. But look up Game Jams because especially when you have that big community of everybody sort of like sleeping overnight, it's really awesome. And you'll probably hear me talk about Game Jams going forward. This is like, well, kind of my third but only my second that we actually like sort of made something. The first time we made a small game, but it was all the way done, so that was really awesome. This is sort of my second attempt where we didn't finish the game, but we did get a lot done, so that's awesome. Anyway, I've said awesome a lot in the last few seconds. Game jams, jam on bread, jam buds, Steven Universe. (laughs) That's it for this section. Thanks for listening. Um, uh, going forward, I'm going to be recording a lot more segments, different segments on different issues. If you're thinking anything queer, nerdy, or even social justice uh, you know, send me a thing. I may talk about it. If you heard anything on here that you want to sort of start a discussion about, I'm super open. Um, you can message me. I'll post sort of my Twitter and my Tumblr and other things on here. And, yeah, thanks for listening. Spiritually Nerdy, I've been Alfie. You've been amazing. (laughs) Keep being amazing. And if you're not nerdy, you're a little nerdier now, use the knowledge you've learned here against people.